Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. So glad you could join me tonight on on a journey that is really quite profound. Uh, I have with me tonight Susan Shumsky, Dr. Susan Shumsky, and she's written a book called Prosperity Meditations, Everyday Practices to Create an Abundant Life. Um, she's a fascinating, fascinating lady, and I want to tell you a little bit about the book first. Um, if you want to draw prosperity into your life, First, abandon the idea that spiritual people must be poor. That's an important thing here. Prosperity meditations can help you develop a new, fresh, optimistic, and empowering attitude about money. By using its methods, you can change your brief, your belief about prosperity and thereby draw greater wealth into your life on all levels, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, material, environmental, and planetarily. You have the power to create affluence in all areas of your life, not just material. The Creator is waiting for you to open to the unlimited riches of heaven that are always available to you. All you need do is learn how to receive the boundless bounty that is your birthright. How does poverty help a spiritual person fulfill their laudable, idealistic dreams and aspirations? Wouldn't it be a better place if spiritual people who aspire to do good had access to limitless wealth. I'll vote for that one. Could you help heal the planet and lift people's consciousnesses if you had the greater resources at your disposal? If you say yes, this book can help you manifest your fondest dreams and desires through the mental alchemy of meditation, the process that can change your mind, which in turn can change your life and thereby positively transform the planet. Susan dedicates her life to helping people take command of their lives in highly effective, powerful, and positive ways. She's an award-winning, best-selling author of, I think, more than 14 books. 
a pioneer in the human potential field. She has taught meditation, prayer, affirmation, and intuition worldwide for 50 years. Susan is the founder of Divine Revelations, a unique field-proven technology for contacting the divine presence, hearing and testing the inner voice, and receiving clear divine guidance. You can find her at www.drsusan.org and www.divinetravels.com. I can't tell you how excited this is for me because 20, 30, 40 years ago, I attended a workshop from her, and I have to tell you that, that there was material in that one workshop that I, I have taken with me, I hold with me, I, I actually turn around and preach as well. And her material gives you techniques and methods and perspection as to how you can really change, broaden, and enlighten your life. And uh, I, I think her words, especially, are profound. Her book is an absolute must for anybody who needs help in getting into the meditative process. So, welcome to the show, Susan. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here with you tonight, Barbara. I'm very excited to speak with you. Yeah, it's, it's you know, 40 years ago, <laughs> yeah, well, I took ago. a workshop with you. It was long ago. Awesome. It doesn't seem that long. It doesn't seem that long no. at all. But, but you know, there are times when you listen to somebody speak and they say something that is engraved upon your spirit and your heart and your soul. And, and you, the one phrase that I remember, it was in parting, you said, somebody asked you, how do you know if something is spiritual or not? And your comment was, you know if you've experienced a spiritual energy, if you walk away joyous and energized and wanting to spread the word. And um, you didn't say it quite that way, but, but it, it's true. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to have um, just a benchmark that you can, you can say if you've been to something and you wonder, was this spiritual? You check in with yourself, how do you feel? And if you feel good and excited and positive, then it truly was a spiritual atmosphere that you were in. You know, whether you got all the messages or not is is irrelevant. You were energized by it, so you took what you needed for you. And I think it's a wonderful benchmark for people to have to, to utilize because sometimes you listen to somebody and they'll be so they give you such heavy-duty information that, you know, you, you know that you have to have it and you have to remember it. And usually the next day you don't remember most of it. But I remembered that phrase of yours for over 40 years. So, you know, <laughs> you, did something that, you did something that night for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, energize. It's one of my tests. I have 10 tests, 10 tests of spiritual discernment. And the last uh-huh. test is what I call the result test. How do you feel after you get the message? How do you feel after you talked to the healer or the psychic or the uh, or the spiritual teacher or 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 your higher self? Uh, do right. you feel energized afterwards? It's one of the main tests. It's, it's, it's a test that can't be faked. It's a test that either you feel drained or you feel bogged down or you feel energized and light and joyous and you know. You, you feel like you've, you've gained something that makes you feel 
more energy, more vivacity, you know, the feeling of being alive, more alive. Yeah, and it's it's just, um, for me, it's always been, you know, as I walk out of anything, even a church service, um, you know, how do I feel? How did this hit me? And, you know... And and it's it's it has stood me in good stead. It has never failed me, and mm-hmm. I I really it's it's been an amazing rich experience for me. And I was so because I remember that night I was exhausted. I was tired. I worked the entire day, and I mean I wanted to go to your workshop, but you know I wasn't sure I was going to stay awake through it. I did stay awake <laughs> through it, and I took away some amazing material. So. Spiritual energy, when it is shared, and in an, especially as a group, um, can can absolutely charge you beyond belief. Absolutely. So if and they, two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Absolutely. And you have had, I think, um, I, I, I am impressed tremendously by your dedication to meditation and and how you have followed that dedication i mean to 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 nepal and the himalayas and studied for you know 20 years um that's india actually that's, i've never been to nepal but i did study oh, okay. with a guru in in rishikesh india and in other places around the world and i was on his personal staff for 6 years in his ashrams for two decades. That was Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who was the guru uh-huh. of the Beatles. I was with him for a very long time. I, you know, the, the fact that you've been able to dedicate this much of your life to something that is as powerful as this, I, just what was it that set you on this pathway so early in life? Because clearly you started when you were two or three. Um <laughs> Well, I was a hippie. Uh, it was the mid-20th century. I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And those of us who were flower children, we were seeking higher consciousness. We were seeking all the states of consciousness. It wasn't just all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, Barbara. It was about no, no, I... reaching nirvana. That's what we wanted. We wanted nirvana. And our gurus at that time were Timothy Leary, and Richard Alpert, who later became Ram Das, and they told us to turn on, tune in, and drop out. And that's what we were trying to do. And they said that we could reach nirvana through taking LSD. That didn't work out too well for me. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the opposite thing happened to me. But I still wanted to reach nirvana, and in fact, I tried taking LSD more than once. Amazingly, the last LSD trip I had, which was the third trip, I only did it three times, I did actually reach that date. But, you know, I really wanted to experience nirvana. I wanted to actually become spiritually enlightened. I wanted to have it without drugs. I wanted to to be in that blessed state, in that state of grace, in that state of enlightenment. So um, I was reading a lot of books, like, for example, uh, The Way of Zen by Alan Watts. And I was reading uh-huh. the Buddhist scriptures, gobbling up Buddhist scriptures. I was reading Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And in Alan Watts' books, it said that you have to find a meditation guide. 
Well, good luck in mid-20th century finding a meditation guide in the yellow pages of the phone directory. <laughs> yeah, not, not so much. <laughs> not so much. So uh, I, I asked a friend, how do I find this meditation guide? And he said, oh, well, have you ever tried to meditate on your own? And I said, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I actually lay down on my bed. I, that's how clueless I was. I didn't even know you're supposed to sit up when you meditate. I lay on my bed and sort of prayed for or asked for a meditation. And immediately I was propelled into this ecstatic state. I could feel a cord or rush of energy rushing from the tips of my toes all the way up to the top of my head. And I felt uh-huh. like I was plugged into a cosmic electric, electric socket, but in a most ecstatic way. And I thought, okay, I guess that's meditation. Little, little did I know that, I, that not only did I have my first meditation experience, but also Kundalini awakening all at the same time without taking any drugs, uh, no stimulants uh-huh. or anything. It was completely natural. I just asked for meditation. And so that put me on a path. Um, I tried to do that more. And then finally, a friend took me to the Transcendental Meditation Center. And I saw the picture of the guru on the wall, which was Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And uh-huh. he hadn't met the Beatles at, at that point. It was in 1966. And, um, and as soon as I saw that photo of him, I knew immediately this is where I would learn real meditation. And I knew that this was it. This was the place. So I did. I actually had to wait another nine months for a a TM teacher to even come come to where I was. But finally, I did learn. And then I was immediately tried to apply to go to Rishikesh, India, to the teacher training course where I wanted to become a meditation teacher. So Uh they kept rejecting my application because they said I was too young, too young, too young. And they would only accept people who were college graduates and over, I think, 24 or something like that. And uh, finally, uh, a few years later, they allowed the younger students to go. So that's when I went to India and ended up, as uh, you had said earlier, I ended up uh, with him for a very long time, for two decades, in his various ashrams. And I ended up being on his personal staff for six years. And and then you went even further, I believe, right? Well, um, yeah. I mean, eventually I learned a different type of meditation that I liked better than Transcendental Meditation. It was more uh-huh. compatible with my personal, I don't know, should we say mission, or my, my personal beliefs, my personal way of being. I loved Transcendental Meditation. I had fantastic experiences with it. But I like this other meditation better. So I started teaching that and I started writing books. And now 20 books later, you know, 36 <laughs> foreign editions of books and 43 book awards. And, you know, so that's my staff. <laughs> and, and, and radio and television, the whole thing. The, I think the thing that, that, that um, people really have to understand is that there's not – any one, there's not one way that is the way for everybody. Everybody does find what works for them, what makes them feel better, and and you know what puts them in that 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 state of mind where they are able to 
for want of a better phrase, let go and let God. And and right. it's it, it's a matter of finding. And, and, you know, there are lots of different ways of meditating. Um, and, and I feel that, that what you've done with your book, and I told you earlier, I think is probably it's 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 not short of brilliant it's brilliant because in your book in many different places where you and obviously it's a book about meditation and it's teaching meditation and what you do is with each section at some point you 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 take people through a meditation but you have them read the meditation into a tape recorder so that they are leading themselves into the meditation. And you tell them where to pause and you tell them where to take breaths and you tell them you, tell, you, you, you couldn't be more explicit. Um, my cat, if it, my cat could read, my cat would understand this. And, <laughs> and, and literally... You lead yourself through each of these meditations, and because it's your own voice, there's a greater sense of trust and ease and comfort with the voice that is leading you into letting go and letting go and letting go. And it's just, it's so beautifully done. I think that, that even, even if this may not be their modality, it will give them an experience that will have them searching for their modality. And if it is their modality, you certainly have given them plenty of, of meditations to play with. Um, I think the thing that, that when I get – now, when I read your book, because I, I had to read it – I had a week, and I read it in the week. But, but if, I was, um, if I was going to, to sit down with it and make it my focus for a great period of time – I would have been I would have liked to have been able to take more time with each section because you have meditations for all sorts of different aspects of life and 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 I was looking at it saying okay how you know I I'd like to do them all and if you do them all then you have no life because all you're doing is meditating and leading yourself through another meditation and um so how where would you say someone who is not really a, a full-time meditator, where would you suggest them to start? Yeah, okay. So the book is filled with, number one, guided meditations. And yep. I'll explain what that is in a minute. Number two, affirmations. Mm-hmm. Number three, mantras. And number four, uh, exercises. So all of those things help you to change your mind, to change your attitude about prosperity and abundance. And it's not just abundance in in terms of money or career. It is abundance in all different areas of life. So there's four parts. There's five parts to the book. One is unlimited thinking. Two is unlimited good. Three is unlimited health four is unlimited love, and five is unlimited planet. And if, you, uh, if you're not an experienced meditator, the great thing about this book is that anyone can do these practices because mm-hmm. of the fact that this is guided meditation. Guided meditation means you are guided every second, every step of the way you're guided, you're instructed exactly what to do. Like take a deep breath, breathe in, 
let it go, things like that where it's all laid out step by step. And as you mentioned, I do suggest that people uh, read the meditation, and I even give instructions on how to read it, read it into a device such as your phone or your computer, read it on onto one of these uh, audio programs. And then when you're ready to meditate, you just sit comfortably in a chair, uh, get really comfortable and cushy. Don't sit in the middle of the floor in a pretzel position. That'll just give you a back, give you ache in various parts of your body. It's not conducive to meditation to be uncomfortable unless you are highly comfortable sitting on the floor I suggest strongly that you sit in a comfortable chair or with a lot of pillows on your bed or anywhere that makes you feel really comfortable with back support, definitely with back support. And then that's conducive to allowing you to get into a very deep meditative state. And then, you know, starting with some deep breaths, you know, take maybe three deep breaths and just play back what you've recorded and follow the instructions. You know, close your eyes. You'll actually be, you'll be told when to close your eyes and when to open your eyes. Yeah. Guided meditation every step of the way. So that's the guided meditations. And then there are affirmations in the book. Now, I think probably somebody who really doesn't, is not really, or a little intimidated by the idea of meditation, that you you can start with the affirmations, you know. There's affirmations uh-huh. in every chapter. So you can just speak these affirmations with a, with a voice that is commanding, that is confident, and speak with authority, such as, I'll give you an example. I am in control. I am the only authority in my life. I am divinely protected by the light of my being. I close off my aura and body of light to the lower astral levels of mind, and I open to the spiritual world. Thank you, God, and so it is. So when you speak like that with authority, it changes immediately. You have an immediate shift in your attitude, in your frame of mind, and guess what? That affects not only yourself, it affects everyone and everything around you, in fact, it affects the entire universe when you speak positive affirmations. Oh, yeah. I, I, the one you, I, I think that one is in the book, is it not? Um, not quite. There's a prosperity angle to the one that's in the book. Um, okay, well, because I remember. I find it. Here it is. As yeah. I was, I, I, I was reading, I, I, I read out loud here and I do that I live yeah. alone with two with two cats so I read out loud from time to time and uh-huh. when I came to when I came to the affirmations you know both my cats were sitting they they were listening I I swear but when I came to the affirmation and I did the I have and I am they both looked at me and turned and walked away <laughs> kind of like you may think so but we're not so sure um <laughs> That's hilarious yeah, it's on page uh, 19, the self-empowerment affirmation. It's not quite I, they're, the same. They're, they're, they're wonderful. And, and another thing that, that I have found that works uh, for me, and that doesn't mean it will work for anybody else, but a shorter, a shorter affirmation, sometimes 
I will find if I write it, you know, 15, 20 times and say it as I'm writing it, it, it in many ways not only imprints it in my mind, but by my writing it, I'm cementing it into reality as well. Yeah, many people so, find that writing affirmations as well as speaking them is more powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, you know, you're, you're, the affirmations are beautiful, um, and the meditations are beautiful, too. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're just so magnificently wonderful. You kind of want to do them all at once. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not exactly recommended. But, but there are people, you know, these days, especially in these times, people are looking for ways to take greater control of their lives. And this book gives you the, the opportunity to create those channels to literally take control over many situations in your life and, and in a positive, help, healthy, healing type of way. And not only for themselves, but, but for the planet as well. Because when meditation is, going, is an ongoing thing, it, does, it, it radiates out from you so that People surrounded by you have are, are are affected by it, whether they know it or not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We do have a tremendous effect on everything and everyone around us. Not only are we creating our own destiny and our own reality for ourselves, but also for loved ones around us, people we work with, people we know, acquaintances, strangers. In yeah. fact, the entire planet. Well, you know, we, we radiate uh, an electromagnetic field, um, right. our aura. And and mm-hmm. anybody who moves into that aura picks up a little of it. It's, 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 it's really cool because cause when, you, when you are feeling so positive and loving and caring, it doesn't matter what anybody else is feeling, they are affected by... The, the magic that, that you're radiating so that, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying don't try to walk up to a fight and break it up because you're so happy. Um, but do know that, that the, the love that you're radiating does touch other people, does, and they take it in. And, and they use it as is, a, as is appropriate for them at that period in time. But your your way of of approaching life and prosperity and the different levels of prosperity um is is really is is magnificent this was i am so glad that this is the book i chose to do because it makes such a difference to people's lives and today with with everything that's going on in the world putting that energy out there um you know it 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 makes a difference you do your own part um Reminds me of the, I don't know where this came from, but um, I remember I heard it in church. That there was a little chicken um, in, in, the, uh, in the barnyard, and he was laying on his back with his feet in the air, and, you know, everybody kind of looked at him for a while, and a rooster came up and said, you know, what are you doing there, son? And he said, I've heard the sky is falling, and I'm going to catch it. And the rooster looked at him and said, "Do you really think you're going to catch the the the, the sky?" And the little chicken looks up at him and says, "I'll do my part." And so, 
<laughs> so we can, we can be like the little chicken, you know. We do our part. We yeah. put our energy out there. And if, if enough right. of us do our part, it, 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 will, it will create a wave. I know you hear yes. on TV about, you know, a blue wave or a red wave or political mm. whatever. And the reality is if we can create a spiritual wave, everything will be okay. Exactly. Very well stated. It's kind of like, you know, I know you travel all over the country and you do um, workshops all over the place. Um, It just, it's like you're on a a mission, you're on a a pilgrimage. Do you know where you're going? (laughs) Is that a question? Yeah. I'm already here. I don't have to go anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> There's nowhere to go. Well, you know, it's it's sort of like you've you've worked for fifty years to get to this point in time. And it actually, feels like such a Actually we are we are already who we are. I mean, it doesn't like there's a road or a destination. We are the destination. We are ourselves the answer. So yeah, it's, some, it's within I, us to recognize it. I think so many people don't. I, I, to, it's within us to recognize that that we are the journey, we are the the destination. We are the destination. Um, yeah. I don't know who said it, um, but it's we are who we've been waiting for. Right. Right. And yeah. and I, I, I love how when you do your meditations, um, you you use all modalities as far as Hinduism and Buddhism and Judaism and Christianity. You you dip into each each of those different um, master teachings in in a lot of your your meditations and stuff. So that so that you're you're using you you you're showing that. Every single tradition out there has a protection and a way into getting into the place within yourself that you need to be. It's not just one particular religion or or philosophy. You've you've thrown just about everyone I can imagine into all of this, and in 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 many ways, um, it's an education. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. in some places. In some places, you refer us to YouTube to have to the correct pronunciation for stuff, and and you know I thought, yeah, oh my God, yeah. It's very important <laughs> when it comes to mantras. It's quite yeah. important to to say them, at least you know make an effort to say them <laughs> uh, as close to the way they're supposed to be pronounced as possible. So I do give uh, point people. To places where they can listen to the correct pronunciation of, of certain mantras, which are basically Sanskrit mantras that you uh-huh. that are traditional. You know, for example, Lakshmi mantras because Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth, or Kubera. Kubera is the god, the demigod of wealth. You know, so they do have. There are mantras that invoke these deities that help you with prosperity. 
Om Hring Kling Maha Lakshmi Namaha. You know, that would be a Lakshmi mantra, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, it just, it, it you, know, you know, I kept thinking, okay, so let me try a couple of these, and I did, and I found that my tongue was, was really not as talented as I thought it was. And <laughs> It takes a while. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if you've heard it said appropriately, can you think it listening to what the tape said instead of, do you have to actually verbalize it yourself or can you think it remembering how it sounded correctly? Well, you can actually even listen to it and it'll be helpful, you know? Yeah. You can go on, on YouTube and actually listen to how the way it's pronounced and and even if you can't quite get the hang of saying it, you can listen to it, for example. You know? I know that uh, one of the um, one of the moments that, that I found you know terrifically moving in my life is I I went with a friend who was studying in an ashram ashram someplace in New York I think, and um, it was a female that they were that was at the head of the ashram, and I, I can't remember who it was now. And there had to be two or 300 of us in this room, and they did the om and the chanting, and you could feel the energy in the room. It was electric. It was yeah. just, you, you could almost feel yourself rising up. It was just the most profound thing I have ever, ever um, almost been a part of, uh, I couldn't follow, you know, they gave you something to read, and I, I wasn't able to, the own part I was okay, but, but the rest of it um, I, w- I got lost in. But, but I got lost in the energy of the sound of that many people being in harmony, and in, right. it, was one, it was one voice, and it was just so spectacular. Um, people should, if they're able experience, to, to experience something like that, very different from um, the Lord's Prayer in a Christian church or something like that. This is, this was a, a the Om is, um, it, there's something about, about the quality of it, there's something about the tone of it that, that takes you into another place. Absolutely. Uh, the Sanskrit mantras are very, very powerful. They're traditional. They've been chanted for millennia. And when you're in the presence of a spiritual master on top of that, which you were, obviously, you probably had moved to Nanda's ashram, I imagine. That's in South Salzburg. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very powerful to be around a spiritual master and to be chanting with an entire group of spiritual seekers. You know, it's it's quite a, an experience, uh, chanting or even meditating, even quiet meditation, even silent meditation done in a group. Uh, sitting in the presence of a spiritual master or the chanting, you know, obviously there's a very profound uh, energy that gets invoked. And Uh these Sanskrit words actually are invoking certain deities, like in this book where you're invoking Lakshmi or you're invoking Kubera, uh, who are, or you're invoking St. Germain, for example, is also in this Uh book, who, who represents prosperity. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I found, yeah, I, 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 
I recognized almost all of them, St. Germain especially. And so, you know, it's, and, and St. Michael, and, you know, the, but I right. think Archangel that. Archangel Michael. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that people today, most people, I, you know, like in the little community I live in, there are people who go to church all the time and, and stuff like that. But when, when I say something about being in the presence of a master teacher, they say, well, Jesus is not here anymore. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he is, you know. Um, but, but, <laughs> That's funny. But, you know, they, they don't understand that there really are people that have gotten to that place inside of themselves where they are a master teacher. They are... They are pure love. They are pure acceptance. They are pure um, magic, and and mm. to be to be in that presence, to be um, honored, to be in that presence is is quite phenomenal. And you know, you had uh, the opportunity to spend a great deal of time in close proximity, which is phenomenal. But but you know, yeah, there, there I'm are not. Mass- I'm not I'm- I've been very lucky to meet a lot of great spiritual masters through my throughout my life, and in fact, I several times took people to the Kumbh Mela in India, which is this gigantic, ginormous fair, and it's a fair of spiritual beings. And what happens is uh, the the monks, the nuns, uh, I guess you could call them the, the holy people that live in the Himalayas you know, in the high Himalayas or they live in the forest, they come to this fair and the fair happens, well, it happens in four places, rotates every three years. So it's in, for example, it's in Allahabad is the biggest one and that takes place every 12 years because like I said, it rotates in four different places. And uh, this giant fair that uh, 100 million people came to uh, over the course of six weeks, they had a hundred million pilgrims that came to to hang out with these saints, and the saints have their tents, and you can go and hang out with them. And uh, I've had the really fortunate opportunity to meet a lot of really holy people, great saints of India, and uh, it's very much enriched my life. I mean, it's more fun than anything you could do. With your clothes on, you know. I mean, it's really fantastic <laughs> to uh, to sit around with these amazing beings of light who are incarnated. You know, not just someone who's an ascended master on the, in in spirit, but somebody who's actually physic in physical form who is radiating this uh, divine beingness. So I met, a, you know, I, I was lucky to be with a lot of them and spend a lot of time with him and really being being able to be with Maharishi for so many years it was quite an experience yeah well you know you you um you you have because there are these people out there and and of course I they don't walk around with a name tag that says I am a master but <laughs> you can invoke well, them Oh yeah, but but you know I have I have met people that have introduced themselves as I'm a master, and then you know when somebody says that it's like it, no, no it's it's your way of life that makes you a master. You can't 
label yourself. It's like shamanism. Shamans don't call themselves shamans. It's mm-hmm. how they have lived their life and how they apply their their talents and their gifts to other people that makes them a shaman. And right. So it, it's it's not it's it, it's something you feel in another person as opposed to you know being told you know that's a master over there go touch their cloak and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, doesn't work that way, yeah. does it? <laughs> No, but, yeah, I but, mean, and, and I, yeah, people who generally, who really are spiritual masters don't ever claim anything. They they just are very kind of humble. They just don't, they don't call themselves anything. They don't label themselves. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that being in that kind of presence has to be one of the bigger highs of all time. It is, and, and um. I've just been really lucky to have the opportunity to do that. And well, and also to spend so much time in my life in meditation. And, and in fact, the luckiest thing I feel is that I have the ability, at any time I don't, I don't feel good, I have the ability to sit down and just invoke the divine beings of light and just uh-huh. completely transform myself within a a few seconds or a few minutes and then immediately I'm feeling fantastic again. So that's something that I think I'd like to pass along to other people with books like Prosperity Meditation because if you're feeling low, you could sit down with the book and just open to any page and and just say, Spirit, just open to the right page that I need right now. Open to a page and then you just start uh, doing whatever affirmation is there. You can use it as a divination tool, really. Uh-huh. Oh, I can see how that would be that would be very appropriate. Uh, yeah, I think that that you know I you know this is the only at this point in time the only book of yours that I've read, but I would imagine all of them are very similar because what you're doing is handing out what magical tools for people to magical find. Tools, yeah. Well, and listen, any time that you can actually take control and power over something within your own spirit, uh, you know, with your own spirit to, to enhance you, your life, and, and the life of those around you and the world, that's, to me, magic. Um, I, I know it's energy yes. work. I got that. But to yeah. me, it's magic. And, and yeah, it's, it's just like, it, you, when, like when you were reading the introduction, the, you know, first part of the book, and it's called, you know, I call it meditation as a form of alchemy. Uh-huh. Because oh, absolutely. The change that takes place when you use meditation or when you use affirmation or when you use a mantra, you use any of the methods in this book or in other books that I've written, uh, immediately you get an instant healing. In fact, I wrote a book called Instant Healing. It's my most popular book, in fact. Um so these just these methods that I'm offering to people where they can just change instantly. It's like I'm oh, feeling yeah. bad. Oh, let me do this thing. Let me do this. Oh my god, now I'm feeling great. <laughs> That's well, how I think to, it is to change to transform. 
Well, what I what I really love about this is that um, you make it you know, meditation is something that every modality, every every religion out there does does endorse, and and it's not a religious experience; it's a spiritual experience. So, in no way, shape, or form does it ever conflict with any of your religious belief systems or practices so that so yeah. that it is a, it, it's i think that's the one thing that that impri- impressed me so much was that you took you took all different cultural applications and and you know um master teachers and and you applied their name into the meditation so that you you cross the full spectrum. I mean, I, I'm sure there were a couple you may have left out, but you'll probably catch them in another book. But you know, it just you 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 draw on all modalities. It isn't just one particular one, which makes this so much more appealing and exciting to whoever is going through it and working with it. And you know, you do you do give you know other other suggestions. Um, you talk about. Um, you talk about um, talk about you know, goal setting. The, I talk about scra- uh, making vision vision boards, vision scrapbooks, ways to manifest things that you want yeah. to create in your life. Yeah, uh, vision scrapbooks. Certain so. certain ex- exercises that you can do to you know really create these things in your life because in fact you are the creator of your life. That's the fundamental idea of many of the books that I have written is that uh-huh. we are creating our own reality moment by moment, day by day, with every thought, every word, and every deed. Just as Buddha says in the very first verse of the first chapter of the Dhammapada, which is arguably the most important Buddhist scripture, he says all that we are is the result of what we have thought. All that we are, okay. he says, is the result of what we have thought. And he goes on in that verse to say, if a person speaks or acts with a pure thought, then happiness follows him or her. If a person speaks uh-huh. or acts with an impure thought, then unhappiness follows him or her. So what he's saying essentially in these verses, the first first verse, is he's saying that we are creating our own destiny and our own reality through every thought, through every word, and through every deed. So we are the master of our own destiny. We are creating it. We are the, we're the script writer. You know, we're the actor on the stage. We're the lighting director. We're the audience. Uh, we wrote the plot. Uh, everything about what we create in our life is something that we have Mostly unconsciously, unfortunately, not necessarily, not consciously. <laughs> yeah. uh, unconsciously, our unconscious has uh, created the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. So we are not victims, in fact. We are volunteers. We have, uh-huh. we have created this marvelous life or this mess, whatever we've created. We are responsible for it because we created it, even though it might be completely unconscious. So, you know, conscious, unconscious, whatever it is, we have charted our own destiny. We've created this reality. So the great news about that is because we created it, we can change it. 
We have the power Absolutely. to change it because we created it in the first place. And, I, and, and, uh, that is, and we, we can no, I, change I, it through changing our thoughts, our words, and our deeds, those three things. So Jesus once said, he said, a person is not defiled by what they put into their mouth. They are defiled by what comes out of their mouth. So if we yeah. go around saying, oh, I'm so unhappy, I'm so sad, I'm so miserable, I'm so poor, I'm so fat, I'm so overweight. If we go around saying these negative words, then that's exactly what's going to manifest in our life. If we go around saying, I am filled with love, I am joyous, I am happy, I am fulfilled, I am at peace, I am the perfect size and weight, I am wealthy, I am healthy, I am strong. Just feel the vibration of those positive words that I just spoken as compared to the complaining words I said earlier. <laughs> Very important well, that we pay attention also, to what comes out of our mouth. And and also um of of worth to note is that you didn't say I'm going to, you said I am. Exactly. So that it's it's because if you're um, going to, if you're going to, you're always on the destination and you're never at the goal. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, if you're continually saying that it's going to be in the future, it will continually be in the future. That's why it's very important whenever you speak affirmations to say it in the present tense and to never use words like will or in the future and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that that's very, very good points. Uh, I know I, t- I tell people we create our own, re- we create our reality by our perception of it. So that, you know, it's it's a matter of this is good. I did this. Look at this. <laughs> you know? And and I think that there's so, you know, there's so much that we can do in life that doesn't cost a penny. And right. that's, you know, I hear people saying, well, I would do this, but I don't have the money. But I would do this if I had the time or if I, you know, I don't have the money. And, and basically, none of anything that you have suggested costs money. I mean, even, <laughs> even your visions, even your vision scrapbooks and stuff like that, you can, um, and, and let's talk a little bit about a vision scrapbook and a vision board, what they do, what they are, and how to use them. Yeah, I mean, there's just fun ways for us to manifest the things that we dream about manifesting. And the great thing is that they work. (laughs) Yes, they do. A vision scrapbook would be, each page of your scrapbook would be a different theme. For example, one page might be health. Another page might be love. Another page might be family relationships. Another page might be home, the house that you want to live in. Another page might be spiritual aspirations. Different pages of your scrapbook would have a different theme. Then what you would do is you would either rifle through magazines and cut out pictures or you would go on the Internet and print out pictures. And then you Uh would find the pictures that really that most represent the thing you want to manifest. Stick it on that page also, on that page, you might stick some affirmations, or you might write some affirmations on that page. You might also cut out a 
picture of your higher power. For example, if you're Christian, you might cut out a picture of Jesus and put him on the top of the page, for example. And then you might write, uh, might uh, draw rays coming from that higher power to the thing you want to create. And then, uh, then you can either, like I said, write affirmations or you could print them out from the Internet or you could find them in find little slogans that are in the magazines if you get inspired. And what you would do is just create these different pages. Maybe one page would be money. You just find pictures of money and I am prosperous and things like that. You would write on the page. And then every day you would just rifle through your scrapbook. You just turn the pages of your scrapbook and you say the affirmation as you're going uh-huh. through the scrapbook the affirmations that you've written right there on the scrapbook. And it's amazing what you can, uh, how it's really about focusing your intention and your attention on that thing you want to manifest because that's how we create things in this world. Whatever you uh, put your mind to, that is what grows stronger in your life, and that is the truth. Whatever you focus on, whatever you place your attention on, grows stronger in your life. So that was a, something that my guru used to always say, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Oh, yeah. No, I so did. The um, thing is, yeah. I did a workshop with people where I had them creating a vision board. And, you know, as yeah. we weekly went, went through it and creating it, and I said, you know, once they're done, you put them where you'll see them every day. You don't have, you don't have to meditate on them. That would help. But... Just see them, and and usually, like for me, I put mine right by my computer so that actually I took a picture of it and made my it my computer screensaver. Right. So yeah, that you could so you that, could make it your yeah your desktop. And you could the, and everybody, I think there were nine or ten people in the workshop. Everybody in a year's time had achieved, I would say, at least eighty percent, if not more of what was on their vision board. And one of the That's girls amazing. said said to me, everything came true and I lost my job. And I said, <laughs> well, okay. And she said, I neglected to put, you know, longevity in the job on the vision board. <laughs> and, 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 and so she said, I'm going to be more careful next time, make sure I present I provide myself with That's a career fine. so that I can, you know, still buy food. But but because everything came true, her <laughs> oh life God. had her life had tremendously changed, and and so it was appropriate for her to go into another job because she was a different person because of it. So, right, um, right, right. But but they are vision boards are just amazing. I think the very first I ever heard of them was when The Secret came out. How do you feel about and for those that you know have not, there's a book called The Secret, which um, I don't know. That was in the '60s that it came out. No, it wasn't the '60s. No, The Secret came out in like the '90s. But so really? the thing is, uh, yeah, back in the '60s, it was called Treasure Mapping, and Unity oh, okay. Church and Religious Science, all the New Thought ministers and New Thought teachings were teaching uh, vision boarding, but it was they called it Treasure Mapping. And that's where I first heard about that. But then the secret, uh, what's his name, Asaroff, is that the guy who yeah. uh, did that vision board? And, and he ended up living in the house that he had put on his vision board. 
and didn't even know that that house was the house was the house that he had put on the vision board, and then found out, you know, years later, uh, when he dug dug out his vision board from a box, and he saw, oh my God, I'm living in this house. <laughs> that was interesting. But I had a similar experience um, on my vision on my vision scrapbook. I had one page that was uh, love, you know. And I, uh-huh. what I did is I rifled through the GQ magazine and I found a picture of a guy that looked handsome that I felt attracted to. And I stuck his picture on the page. And then I was going through and looking at my scrapbook and was doing that for quite a while. But then I put my scrapbook away, you know. And then later, years later, I dug it up, opened it up, and I was flabbergasted because the picture of the guy from the GQ magazine he was like the uh-huh. spitting image of a guy that I had dated. <laughs> ah. so I ended up dating. It looked just like him. I was Unbelievable. Well, yeah, yeah and you know, some, sometimes when we visualize something that we want to happen, um, and we visualize it to such extreme that that it does it does actually happen. Um, you know, sometimes. Um, well, I, I, I dated a guy when I was 17 years old, my very first love, purest, purest, simplest, most chaste, wonderful relationship one could have. It was, it's the kind of relationship I hope my granddaughter has for her first love if she hasn't already. And it didn't work out because I went away to college and we went our separate ways. And I always wondered what would have happened if, we hadn't split up would you know what would what would life have been and it was something that 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 for 60 years you know was always a, a passing thought i would have gee i wonder about him you know i wonder if if that magic could have been something that took us through a whole lifetime and you know i wouldn't have my son he wouldn't have his you know whatever but 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 what would life have been like and um, a year ago, I got an email from him after 60 years. Oh, my and gosh. <laughs> yeah. So much for fantasizing. I found that life has treated every individual in and, and formed them into new people. And and while there was definitely a, a friendship, there was a, a, a love that was an old love, but the personalities that we had become did not jibe. <laughs> and, oh, well, not and, meant to be. Then. And, <laughs> and, and 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 so it was like okay, so so I missed a bullet, but but it's something right. I hung on to for so long. <laughs> That's interesting. I meant that you hung on. I meant. I manifested. I mean, I I had a locket he gave me for my 18th birthday that I I, I wore constantly. Um, oh my goodness! He was, wow. He was, well, and and it was just it was. What was fascinating was he'd been married four times and divorced, and and I'd had a couple, and you know so so we we both had life experiences, and it was really funny because. The very first time he came to visit, he gave me a ring. He said, "This is what I should have given you years ago. It's just a friendship ring. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. I'm not suggesting anything." 
but I got the engagement ring that I wanted when I was 18. And <laughs> when when he went on his way, he said, you keep that ring, it's yours, you, wound or, you earned it. And, and it was a very expensive ring. And oh my goodness. I thought... It was it was the weirdest thing ever because um, it was it was sort of like we tied something up that that you know should have been tied up. Well, it just didn't work. But it was really fascinating to see how life sixty years can change two individuals. Yeah, but yeah, but but it's you know so, so I, I I speak from experience. If you Hold something in your mind if you hold something in your consciousness. Eventually, the universe helps you to find out exactly what it is that would have transpired. And um, it was it was really it was a wonderful experience to be able to put that to bed. And um, and I got a good ring. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Good. And and Good. you know it wasn't that he isn't a nice person because he's a PhD he's a brilliant man and I have my own stuff that I've done and it just none of it jived anymore and and probably had we gotten together we neither of us would have accomplished what we've accomplished in our lives so yeah it was a good experience and and <laughs> so that so so focusing on something even subconsciously will will help it to manifest and so make sure that what you're focusing on is healthy for you. And I I'm, this yeah. this was health this was healthy for me. It was it was definitely a shock. But you know, it it was I think that that you have to pay attention to your thoughts and to your wishes and your hopes and your aspirations because you you can absolutely make them happen. And if you're worried about I'm going to lose my job, I know I'm going to lose my job, you probably will. So, yes, but maybe maybe it's maybe it's appropriate. Maybe it's time for you to move on, and you don't have the courage to do it yourself. So, you you fuss about it, and then they let you go, and you can get on to what you're supposed to be doing. Because when people come to me and say I lost my job, I say congratulations. It was probably about <laughs> time. You know, <laughs> not not going to cry in my soup with you. You know, now you have the opportunity <laughs> to do what you really want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 So, what what about what about karma? Cuz you do mention karma in the book too. And, yeah, before and, the, before I get into karma, can I just address something about this? You mentioned the secret? And oh, you yeah, okay. and you also were addressing some things about the secret just now actually. So, I want to comment on that. Okay. And that is a lot of people uh, you know, they got hooked on this whole thing, the secret, where you could manifest anything by placing your attention on it, and that's very true. Uh, uh-huh. Those of us who were, have been studying ancient scriptures, we knew that a long time before the secret ever came out. <laughs> but I was glad the secret came out because it was teaching these things, these new thought teachings that I had been studying and I had been using and doing things like the vision boarding, which they had called treasure mapping and so on. <clears throat> so I thought, oh, this is cool. Then I realized that some people were not really using the secret in the way that would be most beneficial for them. In other words, what they might do is they might make a shopping list of all the things they want to manifest. 
Like I want the house on the hill and I want the Mercedes Benz and I want the 2.3 children and I want the husband who's a lawyer and I want this and I want this and they make their list, right? And then because it works, because they can manifest, they manifest all those things. And then they say, oh my God, but I didn't want the house on the hill. I didn't want the Mercedes. I didn't want the, I, want, I didn't want any of this. I'm miserable. So before we ever make that shopping list, it's very, very important that we find out what is highest and most beneficial for us to manifest in the first place. In other words, just making a list uh, is not going to fulfill you ultimately. What's going to fulfill you ultimately is to find out why am I here? What is my mission? What is highest wisdom for me to accomplish in this lifetime? And then make your list. Then you know, do I need the house on the hill? Do I need the Mercedes? What do I need? Is it better for me to have a, an RV than a Mercedes? You know, is it better for me to live in a, uh, in a yurt <laughs> rather than in the house on the hill? Or maybe it's better for me to live by the ocean rather than on the mountain or whatever. And we find that out by having a dialogue with our higher self, by becoming familiar with the spiritual beings that are guiding us. Knowing how to receive inner guidance is very, very important because that can help us to manifest the things that are really highest wisdom for us to manifest in this lifetime that will give us the greatest fulfillment, the greatest accomplishment, and then we are really living a divine life when we are Uh in tune and in touch with what is best for us, what is highest wisdom. So I think that's the piece that's missing from the secret because they're not really teaching you how to follow your inner guidance and trust your inner yeah, guidance. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really important because quite often what we think, uh, and, and I'm going to be explicit with words here, what we think we want is not necessarily what we actually do need. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And and so so thinking, I mean, I can think of a number of things that I'd like to have right now, but it, it doesn't really matter. I, I what I would want is to have a greater sense of wholeness, a greater understanding, like you said, of my purpose this life, of of you know what is it, what is it, you know, open the door and I'll step through it. Just you know, just. Make sure it's the right door, please. Um, <laughs> if I have this, I have this horrible fear. I when I was um, in my last honeymoon, we went uh, to uh, Lapland and and we were above the Arctic Circle. And usually, I could you know tell bathrooms because they would have a man and a woman, you know, a little skirt and everything. <laughs> and we we came to a place where there was there was no depiction as to which which sex it was appropriate for. And, you know, it's kind of like I don't want to walk through the wrong door. So I sent <laughs> my husband through and he walked through the wrong door. But but, you know, it was it was kind of like when we're when we're working on spiritual concepts, it's so important to say, what do I need? What's most important for me to understand at this moment in time? 
what talents, mm-hmm. skills, gifts, what direction would be best for me to flow in. Now, that doesn't mean you always flow in that direction. Often we do paddle upstream um, intentionally, assuming we know where we're supposed to be going, but you're always going to be carried by the current, so you might as well flow with it in the beginning. Yeah, um, that's true. Speaking yeah. as one who paddles upstream all the time. But, you know, it, it's... <laughs> Well, you know, being in a spiritual modality, you you there are moments when you think, and there's that word again, you think you are aware of exactly where spirit wants you to go. And and I will almost guarantee you, you're a hundred percent wrong, always. <laughs> and just you know, it's it's there have been times where. People have said, you know, you're not doing anything new or different. What are you waiting for? And, and my, my answer is always I'm waiting for the call. And I know it won't mm-hmm. be a wrong number if it calls me, but if I, if I try dialing, I am going to screw up. So, and, <laughs> and sometimes the wait is longer than others, oftentimes not. But, but it's sort of like where, you're, where your spirit wants you to, needs you to go for for experiencing whatever is appropriate for your own growth and development. It's kind of like in kindergarten, you don't know what classes to pick in a college, in a college course. You just don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and oftentimes, you know, we feel like we're in kindergarten. We, we're ready to go. We have our pencils, papers, and books. You know, just turn me loose. And, and it's not... It's not time yet. So, and those moments where, it, where, where we are spiritually waiting for the appropriate time, we get anxious and we think, well, maybe I'm supposed to steer this time. Maybe I'm supposed to make my choices. No, you're not. They'll open to you when it's time. Just be open to what comes your way because quite often where you belong is not where you think you should be. Right. Yeah. So. And, and, and that's that's a hard pill to swallow, and you know, I I choke on it often, but you know, I try real hard in my life to to. I mean, I'm 78 now. I really I understand the philosophy. It's just putting it into practice every day in every way. You know, it's it's that's a tough one. But yeah, I mean. Go ahead. I'm really into I'm really into the idea of of allowing yourself to be led by spirit, allowing spirit to be your guide. And at some point in my life, uh, somewhere in the mid-1980s, I actually made a conscious choice to do my best, which is is very challenging, but to do my best to listen to the still small voice within and follow the guidance, follow the road, the path that it leads me in. And I've tried to do that, uh, not perfect at it by any means, but certainly I've had a very fulfilling life as a result of doing my best to be obedient to spirit, doing my best uh-huh. to listen to the inner voice, to follow the guidance, to, to trust that I'm on the right path and to walk that path that I'm being shown to walk on. Uh, it does take the ability to to communicate with spirit 
uh, which I do teach in a couple of my books, by the way. One book is uh-huh. called Awaken Your Divine Intuition, and another book is called Divine Revelation. And those two books, I teach people how to listen to that inner voice, how to receive the guidance clearly, how to distinguish and discern between that true divine voice and other voices in your mind, how to test whether the message you're getting is the real thing. And we, ta- and we actually started this conversation tonight with one of those tests, which is the result test. Is one uh-huh. of the 10 tests that I teach. So anyone can do this. It's just a matter of practice. Uh, intuition or listening to the inner voice is a learnable, teachable skill that anybody can learn how to do. And it takes practice to get good at it. Just like if you're learning to play the piano, if you're learning foreign language, learning anything, it takes practice. And, and your important thing to think about and to realize is don't be afraid to make a mistake because you're going to make mistakes, especially at first. And you think that maybe you got some kind of intuition that really wasn't. And Uh it takes time and practice to get really skilled at listening to the inner voice, but it's worth it. It's so worth it to learn how to do that. Well, aren't we here to make mistakes? You know, I, I, you know, when I really mess up, I, I sit back and I, I take a look at it all and I think, well, I needed to learn this, so I, I guess I'm, I'm, and if it's a big mess I've gotten myself into, I congratulate myself at making such a good mistake so that I would remember it and I wouldn't repeat it. And <laughs> when I served, when I served in the pulpit, I, I told the congregation, I, I will not preach to you, but I will share with you my mistakes so you can make your own and you don't have to repeat mine. And <laughs> it just, it, it's sort of like, um, you, know, you know, and I, I, I kind of want to stick with this for a little bit because in so many cases, you know, yes, I, I hear that still voice inside. I, I, I know how to connect to it, you know, and, and I, I don't as often as, as I should probably, but I know when I'm connected to it, and I know when my when it's my ego trying to get me to go another direction. I'm I'm very, I, I I I and my way of discerning that is when I hear the small voice, the silent voice, giving me advice. It's usually giving me philosophy to apply to my life, and when it's my ego telling me what to do, it my ego will tell me what to do go here, go there, you know, don't do this, don't do that. So that, so that <laughs> I know that if if it's philosophy I pay attention if it's if it's, you know, a a you know, a a a, a turn by turn in, instruction, I know that's my ego no matter how beautifully it's given to me. So how do people really um it it it's hard because our ego gets in there and and wants to have input and 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 control if it can but but spirit <laughs> is is quiet and gentle how do they discern that is it is it always is it always a voice or is it a message that that, that you get from some other direction how can people discern when they have attached to or are connected to that small voice inside yeah, it isn't necessarily a voice. It could, there's three basic ways that we receive messages from spirit. 
Although you can receive them other ways too, like you could get omens, you could use divination. There's a lot of ways that you can get messages from uh-huh. spirit with a capital S. But if you're going to consciously ask and receive, as in starting a dialogue with spirit with a capital S within you and doing that consciously in meditation with eyes closed, that there's three basic ways that you would receive the message. One is visual. You might see visions with your inner eye, clairvoyance, or another one is clairaudience, where you'll hear words being fed into your mind, sentences, words, just maybe can be words, can be sentences, and that would be auditory. And then the third way is kinesthetic, where you just get like a gut feeling, you get led in a certain direction, you, you, you get sensations. And most people really are clairsentient. Uh-huh. Most people just are more than the other ones, more than the other two. But people think that, oh, I have to be clairvoyant, you know. I'm no good unless I'm clairvoyant. Uh, I think the Celestine Prophecy, I think that was the sort of the theme of that book, is that you have to be able to have vision. But that's not true at all. We're all different, and we receive our messages differently. So those well, are the three basic ways that we receive the message. And the message well, can come meeting. from one of. Go ahead. Unfortunately, the message can come from one of four places: the spiritual world, the mental world, the astral world, or the environmental world. And we want to receive the messages only from the spiritual world because the spiritual world—that's where God lives. That's where the angels and divine beings and ascended masters live. So we want to be communicating with that level. Uh, Also, our higher self is there, obviously, in the the spiritual Uh world. So that's where we want to get our messages from. And that's, you know, I teach people how to to do that and how to tell the difference. I have a 10-test system for discerning and also teach people how to listen to that inner voice. And like I said, the the two books that are most pertinent to that method are called uh, Awaken Your Divine Intuition, and the other one is called Divine Revelation. Divine Revelation is more like a book, and Awaken Your Divine Intuition is more like a seminar in a book. <laughs> uh-huh. This is the okay. step-by-step, you know. This is how you do it. Well, I, I tell people usually to trust their gut unless they've had Mexican food. Um, <laughs> That's good. That's good. It, 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 it's, it's, the, gut, the gut thing is something that I rely on well, no, it isn't so much gut. If I just know something, then I know it. And, Inner knowing, that's, you know, that's one of the ten tests, actually. Inner knowing is one of the ten tests. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so that it's a matter of, you know, I can't tell you how I know this, but I know this. And, and right. usually if it's, if, it's a knowing, if it's a knowing, then, then there's no question. I mean, everybody, everybody will find a way of... of discernment and and i think it's important that people do tap into that aspect of themselves and and it doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to be you know setting yourself up with a table and a crystal ball someplace this is important stuff for you to know (laughs) for your for your everyday life yes very practical it's very practical very helpful the messages that i get from spirit are very very practical and always uplifting but practical, you know, it's like, you know, 
and and and, and again, I something will, helpful. I will, something something wise and helpful. <laughs> I I will reiterate just from my perspective that that if it tells you exactly what to do, it's probably your ego. So yeah, no, no spirit is never forceful. Spirit never intrudes. Spirit is permissive. It doesn't it doesn't invade you. It doesn't try to control you. And the ego, on the other hand, does. (laughs) No, absolutely. It could be be the ego. It could also be an entity from the astral world. Like I said, there's four places that you might be getting your messages from. The ego is in the mental realm. But um, astral beings, you know, entities, earthbound spirits, uh, demonic beings, those are in the astral realm. At least that's how I define it. Yeah. I think I think that you know what I love about this whole work, this whole practice, this whole philosophy is, is again it's something that that you are responsible for practicing and developing and evolving in your own personal way. And so so often um, I, I've seen people who do a two two and a half day workshop and then hand out certificates and guarantee people that they are now in the fifth dimension or whatever. And that's, you know, if... <laughs> or they're a master. They're a oh, master. Oh. You're now a master. Yeah, right? I, 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 met, I met a lady yeah, who introduced herself. I, I, I met a lady who introduced herself to me, and she, she was, you know, just so excited. And, and I, she introduced herself as shaman something. And I said well, how long have you been a shaman? And she said, just three days. And I said, seriously? And she said, yes, I took a workshop, and I'm now a shaman. And I said, well, (laughs) can I give you some advice? (laughs) She said, oh, absolutely. And I said, do not show that certificate to anyone who is actually a shaman. Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I said, it looks... I said it looks very expensive. She said it was eight hundred dollars, and I said, "Well, you got a good high out of it, and I guess that's a good thing." But um, <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I was at a loss. <laughs> oh um, my god! It it you know when and and I had one woman that said, "I have a binder full of certificates, and my life isn't one bit better." And I said, "Well, um, you've spent a lot of money." relying on other people to do the work you're supposed to do yourself. <laughs> and I said, you know, it's all inside Those of you. wise words. Yeah. It's, wise words. It's, 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 I think, especially for the times, it's important for people to understand that this is time to work on yourself. This, I mean, we had two years of being confined. And, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people took that opportunity to work on themselves, to go inside of themselves, to find magic inside of themselves and it's just it's amazing and and other people you know sat around and felt sorry for themselves and i and and yes no money confined to home i mean there are lots of ways of saying you know wow this was this sucked but you know for me i had a great time i mean this was it didn't change my life at all this is what i do i read books and talk to people on the internet (laughs) It was it was actually 
I know Mark Eddy and I both, you know, found ourselves suddenly overrun with authors that wanted to do shows because no longer were there conferences or anything, and the only way they could get their message out there was on a radio show. So <laughs> we worked our rear ends off for the last two years. I mean, you guys are able to go to conferences now, so we have to catch you on the fly. But for a while there, it was like, you know, we could have done three or four shows a week, but, you know, we right. weren't able to read read the material. But, um, but, but this is this is such an amazing time spiritually. I know everything feels like it's going to hell in a handbasket, and it may be, but you don't have to go there. No. And 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 it's it's like take the time, learn to meditate, and find a way to meditate. Find your own personal way of meditating. I sometimes actually find weeding my garden is the best meditation I could probably do. Yeah, walking meditations. There are there's many ways to meditate. You don't have to necessarily be sitting in in a chair and you chanting Om or whatever people no. consider as meditation. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can do what's called walking meditation. Can, I mean, I in fact, I, in some of my I, books, I teach different different types of meditation. Um, well, and and yeah. it's it's a matter of getting out of the now into the always. And I have found even in I knit and I crochet, <clears throat> and I find if I'm doing something repetitive, my mind is turned off because it's bored, and that's when. I get inspiration that that is unbelievable. I will get phrases of inspiration that are just beautiful, and I'll have to put my work down and write it down because I know it comes from a a special place. And and but that's that's just me. I mean, if I if I really am going to sit down and meditate, then I do that too. But but I find ways of turning my of, of boring my mind so that it goes to sleep. And then when that happens, then spirit can kind of flow through and give me insight and give me wisdom and give me all sorts of magical stuff. So while while your meditations are fabulous, and and I I tried some of them, and they were magical, um, once you have learned how to, and I call it clicking in, um, you know, once you've found a way to click in and you can do it automatically, then then it's, I mean, doing doing a lead meditation that you're leading yourself is like going to Disneyland. And and once you can click in and you, you can get that feeling and that flow without going to Disneyland, that's great too. So so it's, it's, it's giving you a tool, a modality that will enhance your life. And, and, and a phrase I use often and often and frequently, it turns your life from, Black and white to technicolor. Because <laughs> that's lovely. Because you know you're you're able to to touch into that magic, and 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 quite often, you know, if if things are going down the drain, um, just hope they're clearing the pipes out. You know, it's 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 everything can be perceived in a positive way if you stretch yourself enough and. And I'm not talking about death and things like that. Those are those are things that that we go through that that there is a process for. But you know, if if you have plans for something for a day and they fall through, 
it, it gives you the opportunity to use that time in another more positive way. And you can feel cheated or you can turn it into a positive event by letting spirit take, take, it, take you on a trip. <laughs> well, it's, it's, now, how do you in any, at, at any time in any, of your, in any of your books go into past lives and things like that? Oh, yeah, I do uh, teach a, a simple past life regression that people can use to help them to see what the cause behind the cause behind the cause of a particular phobia or particular problem, maybe a relationship, uh, something in a relationship that's off that needs clarification, uh-huh. and simply going back to remember uh, what happened in a past life. Yeah. A simple, simple method of past life. Uh, well, you, you know you what also... I call it, the past life something. <laughs> it's in a couple of my books. It's in maybe two or three of my books. And uh, that that is very helpful. It's really helpful to go back, especially in relationships, you know. If you have a relationship oh, yeah. with somebody, maybe your boss, let's say, and you see, you're feeling intimidated by your boss, let's say. So what you would do is you just sit down and close your eyes, and then you would just... Uh, this is how I suggest that you do it. And that is that you get into that state where you're feeling the feeling of feeling intimidated by your boss. And you just get into that state. Really, you double it, you triple it, you quadruple it, you make it as intense as possible, thinking about your boss and how frustrated you are and how you feel so intimidated and getting into that feeling of just horrible feeling. And then you just simply call upon spirit and say, spirit, please show me the first time I ever had this experience in a past life. And then you take a big deep ah. breath and then you may find yourself in a past life. And you're seeing the vision and you're hearing, you're seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, feeling. You're getting the experience and it's like you're playing a movie, a movie starts playing. Uh-huh. And you see what went on in the past that has caused this feeling of being intimidated by your boss, let's say. And maybe he was uh, a, ta- maybe you were a slave and he was the taskmaster in some past life, you know, whatever it was. And you see yourself there, you see what you're wearing, you see, are you male or female? You see this other person, how, how, what was your dynamic of that relationship? And then you just do a little prayer to clear it, you know, and you bear it for showing you this movie and then you come back and uh, you feel better about your relationship with this person because you've seen what the initial cause was in, in some past life. Yeah, that does make things easier. Um, I know that uh, I have a fear of um, not, not water because I, I've lived by the water, on the water my whole life. Uh, but but I have a fear of getting my face wet, and I took it back to a number of lifetimes where I drowned, and yeah. um, so so that it's you know sometimes the shower can be scary. <laughs> and, There's um, a lot of things that are irrational fears that people have, and you can find what that is, what the cause is, what what originally how that originally took place, and that can be very healing when you see that. It, it, it really is when when you notice 
when, when, when you notice that fear creeping in, it's like, oh, come on. You know, yes, you did drown one lifetime, but the shower is not going to dry on you, and, you know, you can dry <laughs> your face off. And you yeah, can talk you your way through it. Different perspectives. It changes your perspective on whatever it was, you know. Absolutely. Oh, so it's very, yeah. very helpful. It's very practical. You, now, you, you were going to ask find... me a question about karma. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask you about karma. And, okay, let's talk about karma for a minute. Cause, cause well, karma you, were is... about to, you were about to go into some other thing. You said, do you feel, do you find that? Yeah, that moment's gone. Um, <laughs> okay. Must have been a great question. Uh, I, I think, you know, since since your book is about prosperity, and and most people most people initially will look at prosperity as how much money I have, and you know, let's define what prosperity is because it doesn't really totally have anything to do with money. No, prosperity is not is is just basically unlimited, unlimited thinking, unlimited consciousness. And I do define prosperity consciousness in the book and let me just read what I what I wrote. Prosperity consciousness is an intrinsic subconscious belief that you deserve to be wealthy, healthy, cared for, lavishly supplied and wildly passionately happy. True abundance is infinite joy, fullness, contentment, wholeness, and repletion. So prosperity really means that you are fulfilled. Uh-huh. In whatever area of your life you find fulfillment. So it isn't now, just, it's not just money. It's it's such so much more than that. And that's the reason why I cover so many different areas of life in this book. Yeah, I, I think it's very important for people to understand that 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 you know, they, they say you know, money is just a thing, and it's how you perceive it. They, they say it's the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's it's a thing, and um, I I think that that when you when you understand that that it is something you utilize in your life to give you greater comfort or whatever, it's it it it, it is important to to many people, but but to a lot of people, it is this it, it is the absolute focus of their life. I have to have a lot of money, therefore I will be happy. If I don't have a lot of money, I can't be happy. And that's not true. And right, I'm that's an erroneous, erroneous belief, yeah I, yeah. I am a great example of that. I do not have a lot of money, but I have, I am joyful, and I have a great life. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it, it, people make it almost a religion, and... and Money isn't good or bad. It's how you, again, how you perceive it, and um, you can increase the flow of, of of the monetary in your life. But if you're going to work on, on getting abundance in many different areas, you know, start on start on the the joy in life and things like that. And then and then absolutely, you know, the more joyful you are, the more prosperous you are on an energetic level. The money does come. Right. And also being in touch with what is highest wisdom for you to be doing in this lifetime. If you're really uh-huh. in touch with what you're supposed to be doing in this lifetime, then you'll feel happier. You'll feel more content. You'll feel that fullness that is true prosperity, that happiness, that joy. And 
you know, there's you can't you can't buy that. <laughs> you can't go to the bank no. and get that. No. You it's it's something that you develop uh yourself, uh, your own inner being. That's where true happiness lies and that is prosperity. So in the book, um that's the reason I go through many different aspects of of prosperity, awareness, empowerment, happiness, pathway and purpose, manifestation, career, home and automobile, lifestyle, bank account, physical health, mental health, spiritual health, self-love, life partner, relationships, world, and peace on earth. These are all the chapter titles, actually. Um, uh Uh-huh. Those aren't the exact chapter titles, but those are the subjects of of each chapter. So you you find through the book that it's not about money, although money is as part of it. You know, money is something that is prosperity is money too, but it's not all. I think that that one of the things that that I see people doing is saying saying to you know. yeah, when I when I worked the psychic fairs and stuff like that, somebody would come and sit down and would say, "I just need to have a relationship. If I have a relationship in my life, it'll fill the places that I am empty in, and life will be perfect." And you know, I I call a screeching halt to everything and say, "No, no, 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 no! You have to fill those emptinesses. You can't expect another person to do that for you. That's not fair to them." They're working on right. their own crap, and and yeah. so so when when you're looking at at these aspects, you know, and and trying to figure out where you want to begin to work on on all of these concepts, the the wholeness inside of you is 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 the most important part. And once you're whole and joyful with it then everything else really will fall into place with a little bit of work. If you're looking for someone to complete yourself and you're not complete, then you will attra- you, we attract exactly what we are. So, so that if you're looking for someone to complete yourself, you'll probably attract somebody else who is not complete. And, and then the both of you will be figuring out, you know, well, you don't complete me here, and it, it, that's not the purpose of a relationship. And right. so you want to, I think, be very aware of the kinds of people you attract into your life because that's where you are on many different levels. And, and if yeah, you find, people are mirrors. Yeah. So, so if you find fault with somebody else, Take a good look in the mirror at yourself because most probably if you're critical of them for a reason, it's probably because you feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's inside of you too. Exactly, yeah. They call that projection in psychological terms, yeah. So, So, you know, this your book is wonderful and it does help people to... um, to work on different aspects of their life to to find a greater richness in life itself and once you have that richness in life in and of itself then then you become a magnet to all sorts of wonderful stuff and, but but the other thing too is there's there's a lesson for discernment in there as well cuz um being discerning is also very important i have found 
um, so that so that there's there's life life is a, is is a is a lovely school and and you've given them tools to work with all aspects of it, but but understand there's discernment too that that uh, the universe from time to time will test you and um, I fail most of those tests but it's always fun. <laughs> I have to say that I have the same experience. Yeah. <laughs> not perfect. I'm not perfect. No, I, I. But you know, when you're aware that you're being given a lesson, it's not. You can laugh at yourself and say, "Well, I'll enjoy it for a while, and then I'll then I'll clean up my act." <laughs> um, I, I I think that the that life is such a wonderful, exciting experience. There's so much joy that's available to us if we open ourselves to it and I, I think also the other thing that, that I, I, I think that I, I have to, I remind people about constantly is that laughter is really an, an amazing healing tool and, and having laughter in your life is as important as the spiritual and everything else because it's a way of sharing your joy and um so many people are so serious about this whole process that they become very boring. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, have you met those people? You know, if not, I'll introduce you to a few. Um, <laughs> it's just I, I can remember people going around with their hands folded and and saying, you know, you know, uh, Om. And you know, bless you and Namaste and all of this stuff. And you know, they they don't know what they're doing and saying. They're 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 playing a part instead of becoming a part. And I think that's another <laughs> that's good. There's, yeah. there's definitely there are, there are those people out there that play the part well, but they don't live it. And the most important part about all of this is living the wisdom within yourself. And living the the spirit and the joy of the spirit and the magic that the spirit brings into your life, living it and celebrating it, and and not not being so serious about it that you you dull it down because you do. I mean, this is a joyful, joyful thing to to get in touch with your higher conscious. I argue with the higher consciousness all the time. Um, Me too. I never win. I'm always objecting. I, I, yeah. <laughs> always. I'm always asking. Actually, it's like, why? Why do I have to do this? Why? <laughs> I'm always arguing. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, every now and then I envision this boardroom where they all sit who are supposed to be helping me out. And, you know, as soon as I say, I got it. I'll take it from here. You know, I know exactly what you want. I I'll take it from, I hear a door slam, and I know they've all gone out to play golf, because most of them are men. And, and you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'll see you, I'll see you when I screw up. And, and you know, it's, it's like, they don't even argue back anymore. They just slam the door and leave. And That's hilarious. Well, that is so it, funny. It, but it, well, yeah, but that's what I do. And, and. You know, there was a time where I was very serious and I meditated and I prayed and everything. No, those jerks are up there and they, you know, it's kind of like, we'll give you the philosophy, run with it. No, no, I know what you mean. I'm fine. You know, I can drive now. No, you can't. Yes, I can. 
Well, we'll come back after you have the accident, and we'll clean up the mess. And, and I do hear that. That reminds me. That reminds me of a little story, and that was, um, uh, you know, I live in an RV, and I have no home base. Well, I used uh-huh. to a long time ago. I used to live in a travel trailer, Airstream travel trailer, which was like one of those silver bu- bullet-looking things. And uh-huh. Spirit said, uh, and I was staying in a in a industrial park actually in my trailer uh, because I had a friend who owned the property and spirit said, uh, get a job as a security guard at this property. And I said, what? But yeah, get, <laughs> get us this job as a security, security guard. And I was like, okay. So I got this job. So I had this, my hat, my badge, my outfit, you know, a security guard. Uh-huh. When you're a security guard, you don't have a hell of a lot to do. Uh, just basically, I brought my computer to the guardhouse, and I was actually editing my first book. So I did that for about a year, and it worked out really well. I was really happy that Spirit told me to do that because it was great. You know, I was making money, and I was working on my book, and there's not a whole lot of other, anything else to do. So it was awesome. And then after a year, Spirit said, Uh, it's time to quit the job now. And I'm like, what? No, I'm not going to quit this job. It's like, uh, if I quit this job, I actually called a friend of mine and I said, Spirit told me to quit the job, but I'm not going to quit the job because I'm terrified. I'm scared that if I quit my stupid minimum wage job that I'll starve to death. And, And my friend said, well, you are the teacher of divine revelation. Don't you think you should follow your inner guidance? I said, no, I'm not going to follow it. So, yeah, so I, so um, I kept the job. And then uh, one day, uh, one day I, uh, my relief didn't come. And, you know, if you're a security guard, if your relief doesn't come, you have to stay and wait. Uh-huh. My relief didn't show up. And so I called the supervisor and I said, my relief isn't here. And he said, no, you have to stay. And I said, no, I can't. I have to go teach this meditation class in New York City and I've got to... I can't stay. And they said, no, you have to stay. And I did wait for a little while, but then relief never came. And so I abandoned my post. So the next day I called up the the, um, supervisor and I said, hey, you know, I had to go to the meditation class. I didn't stay. And the supervisor said, you are terminated. And as soon as he said, you are terminated, my guides, my angels, my divine beings, my ascended masters, they started having a party. There's a party. Uh-huh. There's the balloons going off and, and music, and they're all dancing. And, oh, she finally got rid of that job that we told her to get rid of. <laughs> so I didn't even listen to the party. I didn't, didn't. It's like, no. So I called the supervisor back, and I begged for my job back. And uh, they gave it back to me. So the very next night, I am going around the property and closing the gates. So I close the front gate and the middle gate. Let me go to the back gate. Back gate is this big, huge wrought iron gate. I'm pulling on the gate. I'm tugging on the gate to try to close it. It's not closing. What the hell's going on with this gate? All of a sudden, the gate starts falling on top of me. This oh my heavy eight-foot wrought iron gate is falling on top of me. I try to run away from it. My legs got caught under the gate. 
Oh. So it's it's quite late at night, and I'm screaming bloody murder. Thank God this man came and saved my life. Actually, he he all of a sudden he drove his car up and he he had to go get something from work that he had left there. He saw me screaming under this gate and he was able to lift it up a few inches so I could kind of scoot out from under the gate. And then he said to me, "Don't move." So I listened to him, and then the EMS came. They came and and they um, they cut all the my um, uniform. They cut it off me, and and uh, I took me to the hospital and everything. And my leg had been nearly severed in half. It was just hanging oh my out gosh. by two sinews. So my leg somehow I after four operations and. My leg was okay. You know, I had a really great surgeon who managed to put it back together again. And um, so that was my little object lesson on listening to the inner voice and following its <laughs> guidance. There it is, folks. Listen to your inner voice or you may end up in the hospital. Quite say. possibly. Uh, yeah, it, it could be. It, I mean, I can, you know, when I started in this field, um, when I did the cards, and and yeah. I was uh, I I did an ABA and I got somebody from from a store wanted to know if I ever worked in you know bookstores and I said oh sure never had and um, <laughs> so so I went down and it worked out very well and I thought I I got it I made up I made up presentation books they each cost me a hundred dollars I contacted stores all over the country you know it was okay guys I got this and. So uh, over $1,000 in prep work and everything, contacting stores, talking to owners, saying, would you like me to come, and this is what we do, and I'll send the presentation book. Um, I had 10 or 15 that I, that I made up. I had 10 or 15 stores all over the country, sent the presentation books out to all of them with self-addressed stamped envelopes to send them back if they didn't want me to come. Yeah. Would you care to guess how many bookstores booked me? Zero. Yep, absolutely zero. <laughs> and none of them returned my books. Correct. And, 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 you know, my boardroom at that time snickered at me and said, told you so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have, I, I have, Babaji is the one who's always laughing at me. He's the one that thinks I'm hilarious all the time. Yeah, he's like your yeah. boardroom. Always laughing it's just, at me. It's it's like you know how long you've been in this field. You haven't learned yet. Yeah, I know. I have to. <laughs> after after fifty years, I should know a little, and but not enough. Uh, no, we never know enough. We never no, know enough. We I are know that, very foolish. We can be very foolish. Well, and, and you know, it's, it, there can be a spiritual arrogance that sometimes sneaks in. Yeah, 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 I got that message, you know. And, and sometimes a lesson repeats and it's like, I've done this before. Come on. Didn't I learn? I can tell you what it was and I can tell you what I learned. And I'm not doing this again. I don't have to. And no, you don't. And it's sort of like it's, it's if you avoid the lesson when it comes simply to you. It will come back harder and harder and harder. It's like if you stop somebody from 
spraining their ankle figuratively, they will probably break their leg because you prevented the easy lesson and they had to repeat it and break something bigger so that the person would learn whatever it was they had. Now, if somebody's in, in, in front of a speeding car, yes, you shove them out of the way. Um, <laughs> but but it's it's sort of like you can see somebody making what you perceive as a mistake, and if you stop them, then you in in some ways take on the responsibility of that lesson for them, and it becomes a lesson for you too, and it it weighs you down. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so that's an interesting point. So it it yeah, and and it's like sometimes I see somebody doing something that's so stupid because I've done it. I know it's stupid, and you can you can tell them, but but if it's not their idea to change and go in another direction, they will not listen to the wisdom. Right. It has to. It has to come from inside of them, and I exactly. have trouble. Remem- I have trouble remembering that because, you know, some. You know, and, and there well, are a lot times of people that come I've, to you for advice. You're a psychic, you know. So. Yeah. You know, you want to help people. You people will actually ask for your advice. I'm sure. They a do, lot. and I try. I try. I, the the one good example I have of that is a lady had her husband was in. Um, he was in a coma. He was on and off brain dead. And she said, "They, you know, I don't know what to do. They're suggesting things for for him, and I don't know what's appropriate. Can you ask him? Can you tune into him and ask him what he would want me to do?" And yeah. I said, "Sure, absolutely." And so I did. And she said, "What did he say?" And I said, "He said he wanted you to do for him exactly what you would want him to do for you." Right. So shoved it back in her lap. I mean that's that's actually what he said. But right. it was the wisest it was the wisest thing. It was like it's your choice. It's you it's your it it's what you've made a contract with him to do, so you have to you have to follow through with this. And exactly. uh hard decisions. Yeah. Hard decisions. But but exciting! But this has been so exciting. I want you to. I, I, we have just about five minutes. Can you talk a little bit about your organization and your divine travels? Yeah, I mean, um, for the last, uh, I think since about two two thousand and one, I started taking people on tours to the Kumbha Mela, that huge festival in India, you know. And then I started uh-huh. taking people to something in Machu Picchu, Peru. And I was doing all kinds of different travel things, uh, took people to. And I had been doing retreats in Mount Shasta and in Sedona, a lot of travel-related activities, uh, especially retreats and conferences and, and, and other things. And then in 2011, I started uh, taking people on cruise ships and doing these seminars at sea. And I found that it was really fulfilling and really fun to gather a lot of people, like-minded people together and gather some amazing speakers, which I've even invited you to come to one of my uh, speaker, one of my cruises. And I have just found that that's been really, really fulfilling, really great to have these uh, wonderful experiences at sea because on the ocean it's so relaxing. 
It's just kind of a oh, natural yeah. meditative state that you get into when you're on on a ship. It's just so you feel like you're being rocked like a baby or something. And yeah. so comforting and, and it's just a lovely experience to be on a ship. So I've been doing these conferences at sea since 2011. They got interrupted, obviously, during the pandemic, but I'm starting uh-huh. again in 2023, and I have four scheduled for 2023, and that's, you can find out about that at divinetravels.com. That's plural on the travels. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-S.com. And a lot of the teachings that I do really are done through my books, um, uh-huh. A lot of the, a lot of what I teach is through the books because I find that people can, they can learn through books. You know, they don't necessarily have to be in person. And I've also created uh-huh. uh, some audio things, and and a lot of my books are in audio as well. And they're in Kindle, they're in audio, and just really almost everything that I really want to say is in the books. And so I've been, do, I've been just so busy writing books, either writing books or doing the travel things that I hardly have time for anything. I mean, I really don't have time for anything. Frankly, <laughs> so busy all the time. So, well, I'm, I'm glad. My latest I'm glad book, that, yes. Prosperity Meditations is a book that came out in January, but my latest book is coming out this month, October 25th. It's called The okay. Inner Light, How India Influenced the Beatles. Oh, wow. And that is a really fun book. Um, I just got the advanced copies of it, you know. Uh, I'm looking at it. I'm actually, I have it in my hand right now. It's such, it such has a fantastic cover. I created collage on the cover, and I'm so proud of it. It looks beautiful. Uh, the Inner Light, it's called. And that's the name of one of the Beatles songs, you know. It has an Indian theme, that particular. Well, actually, it's more of a Chinese thing. But it's a Tao Te Ching. It's from the Tao Te Ching. So the inner light, um, I love it. It's a fantastic book. It has QR codes all over it. It's got over 100 QR codes. It's got a couple hundred uh, photos in it. And it's, it's a big, fat, incredible book. It's over 500 pages. But it's so beautiful and so fantastic. Well, so that's we my latest creation. That. We will look for that, and I will talk to you after the show and schedule you for that book. So oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, I'd love to no, talk about that book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can tell, um, but I, I do want to thank you. Our time is up. This has been fabulous. I'm so glad, you know, that it, it's it, it it only took 40 years to get you on the show. So um, <laughs> didn't know about it. That's why I knew about well, it, I, I, but I didn't know you had a show. Well, it's only the show's only been fourteen years, uh, but okay. but I will yeah we'll we'll schedule you for the other book too. But thank you so much for taking the time and being with us. I I so appreciate it, and I and I hope people take a look at the book and and start to to pay attention to taking responsibility for their lives because it'll just make magic into their lives. It's just a fabulous fabulous procedure and and process and and tool to utilize so thank you again mm. yeah prosperity meditations is the name of the book by the way prosperity meditations everyday practices to create an abundant life and i promise you it works if it will work for you as much as you work with it so um that's true we 
we will I will talk to you soon. Thank you again and thank you and everybody thank you. for thank you everybody for um being here tonight and I will talk to you all next Monday. Have a good one. Good night.